We hit that. You already know who it is. It's the radioactive pop with Danny Limelight. United Wrestling Network, World Heavyweight Champion. And make sure you tune into the Alliance Vlog every week. You heard it here first. Straight from Bobby. What's up, guys? This is J. Cal. This is the Alliance Vlog. And I'm on the road, daddy. <laughs> Uh, I am on the road to Los Angeles, which I know many of you think in Southern California is a hop, skip, and a jump, but it's some two hours away from where I live, so I am on the road to see Game Changer Wrestling. I'm here to see uh, the coldest winter, which it has been kind of the coldest winter. Anyone notice how freaking cold it's been? Uh, <laughs> I digress. Game Changer Wrestling, GCW. Not really my, not my bag, baby. In fact, in fact, there's a Lucha Libre show that's literally running about 45 minutes away from my house that I would probably, I'd probably enjoy more. Uh, you guys know Lucha Libre is kind of my bag. Uh, I've, I've, I've been fortunate enough to go to Mexico City to see Lucha Libre, Tijuana to see Lucha Libre, and of course up and down Southern California to see only the best in American Lucha Libre, uh, which is a paradox. Anyways, uh, with all that being said, Game Changer Wrestling tonight, they are presenting the coldest winter that will be headlined by Nick Nemeth taking on former NWA World Heavyweight Champion Matt freaking Cardona, always ready. What do I know about GCW? Well, not much, to be quite honest. I don't follow the brand. I've, I've never attended a GCW show. I've never been to a GCW event. They even, for a short time, and maybe they still do, I'm not entirely sure, they used to run LA-based uh, events uh, that were specific to Southern California, which would feature a lot of the SoCal talent. I never went to one. I have had almost zero desire to be involved with GCW. And tonight's kind of like a morbid curiosity. What have I been missing? What about GCW is so damn good? And look, maybe I'll be a convert after tonight. Maybe I will buy in. Awfully, awfully, they, they honestly have been trying to reach out to an audience uh, and, and it's worked. Um, you don't have as many shows as they run and have been able to, you know, Brett Lauderdale has had some sort of uh, pulse on the hotness of pro wrestling um, by being able to pick out those talents that will draw for him, obviously. Uh, having John Moxley a part of the product, Matt Cardona, uh, Joey Janela. Hell, even the NWA's very own Kerry Morton have been involved with GCW. And that goes on top with guys like Nick Cage. And there was an underserved market. I mean, people remember ECW with all of its ultra-violent style of wrestling, hardcore wrestling, if you will. When ECW ceased to exist, a lot of other hardcore wrestling promotions uh, spawned from that, including XPW, which at at one point ran simultaneously uh, with ECW against ECW. Um, <laughs> out here famously, ECW came to the uh, the Grand Olympic Auditorium and there was a bit of a uh, 
a show of defiance from the XPW faithful in the crowd that led to a total riot out on the streets. Uh, and we'll talk about that at another time. But, uh, uh, you know, besides XPW, there was, uh, of course, Combat Zone Wrestling, CZW based in Delaware, New Jersey, you know, the Northeast. And, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, uh, I've always thought that Game Changer was the air, uh, the air to, from the air, from the air to ECW. And it, when you see the shows that they put on, there is a plethora of styles of wrestling with talents from all over the world, really. So it's no surprise that tonight, you know, Nick Nemeth, who's making his first appearance in Southern California since exiting the World Wrestling Entertainment, uh, you know, he is going to be showcased. This, I believe, is the first time Kerry Morton has been out here into Southern California. I'm very excited for him. Uh, I'm sure he won't be repping the Southern Six, though. But uh, needless to say, this is kind of one way or the other. This is an adventure for your boy, Jay. I'm going to see some wrestling that I've never seen before. And I don't know what I'm going to get. I don't know how much ultra violence there's going to be. I, I kind of hope there isn't. I don't want to breathe in, you know, the... the, uh, the the material from the light tubes. Like, I don't want to see a bunch of broken glass in the ring. I'm not here for that, but I am here for good wrestling. Um, if you are following along on social media, if you hadn't already done so, there will probably be photos and pictures. Photos are pictures and video of tonight's wrestling. And of course, uh, there'll be you know video and stuff on our YouTube channel at the Alliance blog. Make sure you click comment and subscribe to see more. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on my way to, like I said, game changer wrestling. When I come back from this commercial break, I will tell you a little bit about my experience tonight. And I hope, uh, I hope you'll be here to listen. Times are tough now, guys, and it's no joke out here. That's why I'm very proud to be partnering with the Upside app. They're leveling the playing field, guys. They're giving you opportunities to earn cash back on on purchases for groceries, purchases for gasoline, purchases for food. These are the things we all spend our money on all the time. I believe in Upside. I use Upside weekly. My lifetime earnings is over $408. And you too can be earning cash back on your Phillips, your groceries, or your eating out experiences just by signing up. And it's free. By using my invite code, J-A-S-O-N 75338, that's Jason 753338, you'll earn $5 cash back on your first Phillip. Use the link in the video description or download the app, but make sure you use that invite code JASON753338 and make money by using the Upside app. So. <laughs> Turns out I didn't get home till really late last night, and I didn't remember to finish recording the podcast on the way home. Go figure. It was also raining, so probably not the best idea to try to record audio while driving home in the rain. Anyways, uh, 
I was I was surprised and shocked and had way more fun than I thought I would at a game changer wrestling show. And I'll get to the event in just a minute. But last night, something else also very significant happened. Something that I think we should recognize as a former NW World's Heavyweight Champion became a two-time MLW World Heavyweight Champion. And I'm talking about Satoshi Kojima. Kojima. The Leon Satoshi. Uh, Satoshi Kojima last night defeated Alex Kane. Umbaye, it's for the people. Uh, but last night it was for Kojima as he captured the MLW World Heavyweight Championship. Now get this, dig this, brother. Kojima is a former MLW World Champion in his own right. In fact, he held the title for 100, excuse me, for 267 days when he won the title back in September of 2002. And the crazy thing is, is he beat Jerry Lynn in a in in a tournament to crown a new champion back in 2002. That happened at the Manhattan Center, New York City. Kojima would go on to take the title. The Major League Wrestling World Heavyweight Championship would go on to be defended in All Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, it would be wrestle, uh, defended in WMF 01. Uh, Rainbow Promotion Battle. I don't even know what the heck that is. In fact, most of Kojima's title defenses were in uh, Japan uh, when he won the title. He defended against Vampiro uh, at uh, King of Kings. He defended against uh, Mr. Ganosuke at uh, WMF. He said he defended against Shinjiro Otani, and that was at 0 1. Uh, he defended against Johnny Smith in All Japan. He defended against uh, Kitaro Kanamura. Uh, he defended against John Tenta. You remember John Tenta, right? You you don't. Uh, he that was that was the WWE's earthquake. Now this obviously was later in his career, but that was in an All Japan ring. He defended the title in an All Japan ring against John freaking Tenta. Um, that's just wild to me uh, when you think about it. He would later take the title uh, back to MLW, defending it for the final time on June 20, 2003, against Mike Awesome. Uh, as history would show, Mike Awesome would win the title. And uh, we wouldn't see Kojima again until nearly 21 years later. Some of you listening right now weren't even born when Kojima was champion the first time around and, and he joins a very exclusive list of champions i mean the original champion of of uh mlw was shane douglas satoshi kojima mike awesome steve carino shane strickland uh became champion when the when the promotion restarted in 2018 followed by loki filthy tom lawler jacob fatu alexander hammerstone Alex Kane and of course Kojima who won the title uh, this year um, last night so that's uh, that's really cool and I'm so excited of course uh, for those of you who have been following around with Kojima's career uh, he is a former NWA world heavyweight champion he also held the tag team titles with Hiroshi Tenzin he won the uh, world's heavyweight title by defeating Rob Conway and he won that title back in 2014 so that was 10 years ago in between his major uh 
Well, I, I can't even say that because he's also held the uh, uh, Pro Wrestling NOAA Global Honor Championship back in 2022. So we're just talking like two years ago. And the other thing that should be noted is that Kojima was a protege of the great Muda. And as such, when Muda left New Japan Pro Wrestling to start All Japan Pro, uh, not start, but to kind of take over booking for All Japan, he would follow with Taioki. And he, he and Taioki would become the uh, All Japan Pro Wrestling Tag Champions. Uh, later, he would uh, he would win the All Asian Tag Team titles with, um, with uh, I believe, Shiru. Um, and then... Uh, he would come back after holding the MLW world title. Uh, he would head back to um, New Japan Pro Wrestling, where he would become the IWGP heavyweight champion and also held that title synonymously. Synonymously? Yeah, I think that's the right word. With the Triple Crown Championship of All Japan Pro Wrestling, where he held both titles for some time. He actually would end up becoming a, a two time IWGP world heavyweight champion. Uh, he would end up being a two-time Triple Crown champion. Uh, of course, he held the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. He held the MLW Now World Championship twice. Uh, and the GHC, the Global Honored Crown, the Pro Wrestling NOAA title. So you have to give respects, respect to Mr. Uh, Kojima as he is now a, a world champion for a somewhat big wrestling promotion in the United States. And and I know that sounds kind of like I'm dismissing it, but I'm really not. Uh, I, I feel very uh, fondly about MLW. I feel like that promotion is on the verge of blowing up in a positive way. And I can't wait to see what's next for Kojima and, and seeing what's next for MLW. Now, with all that being said, right, it bears that we need to celebrate the former champion who was Alex Kane. Now, Alex Kane had the title for 210 days and he defended, you know, he defeated Alex Hammerstone to win the title back uh, last year in July. He defended against Willie Mack. He defended against former champion Tom Lawler, former champion Jacob Batu. He defeated again, uh, defended and defeated Matt Cardona. He defeated uh, Timo Fesis and that was in Germany. He took the title to Germany. He also, uh, he, he actually was in part of another match in uh, Germany too, but the MLW title um, was not on the line. Um, then Alex Kane would defend against Richard Holiday at the last MLW event, uh, King Kings of Coliseum. But last night at the 2300 Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Satoshi Kojima ends the reign of Alex Kane and, and is now your new champion. So congrats to him. Congrats to MLW. And I can't wait to see what's next. So again, MLW's Super Fight 2024 that saw Kojima win the title was such an, an important event, but it wasn't the only event happening last night. Of course, your boy Jay was at Game Changer Wrestling, the coldest winter number two, live at the Ukrainian Culture Center in Los Angeles, California. Uh, shout out to my boy Atox for helping me get uh, situated with the with the ticket in the very choice seating section. Thank you, Mr. Atox, for all your help on that. 
Atox is a friend of Alliance. If you guys were at the uh, 75th anniversary, he was hanging out with us uh, on night number two. Now, the pay-per-view is a little bit different, from, of course, from the live event. There was a match that happened beforehand, which featured the likes of uh, Jordan Cruz and uh, Primo from the United Wrestling Network. And the, their opponent, I, I don't didn't know who he was, and I didn't hear the introduction. I missed it. So, uh, with all apologies, I don't really know who he was. It was hard to see the match because I was still trying to get to my seat. I was still trying to get to where I wanted to be course Jake how was written on the seat that I was sitting on so I felt like I was in the right spot getting that VIP treatment thanks again a talks uh, but the show had already started so we were a little bit late and that uh, although the uh, Ukrainian Culture Center in Los Angeles is beautiful uh, it was a tight squeeze man there's a lot of fans out there to see game changer wrestling which I think is great you know they operate on both coasts they really kind of uh, Globetrot, the Globetrot when you're just in North America, they go all over the United States, which I think is great for wrestling fans, especially if you're a fan of this kind of style of wrestling. Now, I was under the impression that this was like going to be all hardcore wrestling, and I, I was incorrect. That's not what Game Changer is all about. In fact, there's a little known tie that brings uh, Game Changer Wrestling to the National Wrestling Alliance. For those of you who remember the name Ricky O. Ricky O uh, was the uh, co-promoter of NWA Liberty States with David Marquez. Uh, that was a promotion he opened up later. The promotion he originally ran was Jersey Championship Wrestling, JCW. And JCW existed until around 2015 uh, when he sold Ricky Otazu, Ricky O, sold the brand to uh, Danny Demento and current owner Brett Lauderdale. Yes, that Brett Lauderdale. Um, and if, according to uh, sites like Wikipedia, the promotion specializes in hardcore wrestling as well as mixed martial arts and inspired shoot style matches. Uh, but there was no uh, <laughs> there was no uh, shoot fighting. Uh, there was no uh, mixed martial arts. Uh, this was a, a pretty standard wrestling show. And in the wake of the hiatus of pro wrestling gorilla, it kind of fills a niche that's been missing in Southern California since PWG uh, has uh, went on their break. So, again, I, I didn't know what to expect. I know that the card was going to be headlined by Nick Nemeth and Matt Cardona. And, uh, you know, knowing that Nick Nemeth, formerly known as Dolph Ziggler in the WWE, and Matt Cardona, always ready, former NWA World Champion. You, you would think that would be the, the match that would highlight the night. That would be the main event. But that's where you'd be mistaken because I feel like maybe GCW does things a little bit differently because Nemeth and Cardona went on first. And uh, the match itself was pretty, uh, pretty exciting. Uh, you could tell in the beginning of the match it was very... Um, very much a feeling out process it felt like both competitors were just trying to test the waters and it honestly i kind of felt like they were going to mail it in especially with it being the opening match of the pay-per-view that's available on trailer tv that those guys uh but but the match of course uh saw a lot of false finishes uh they were kind of telling a story uh, the, the opening promo and i wish i would have uh, been quick enough to record it uh but uh you know, the former world's heavyweight champion accused Nick Nemeth of trying to come into uh, trying to come into GCW, uh, a la The Rock, and trying to steal his spot, a la C 
Cody. And as Cardona wants to finish his story of becoming GCW World Champion, he felt like Nick Nemeth was in there to steal that spot, uh, which didn't sit well with him. And he said, hey, you already got paid. Just lay down and do the job for me. You know I should be the main guy here. So it was kind of it was kind of funny, to be quite honest. But also, at the same time, it was a little... Uh, hit a little too close to home, right? Because um, former NWA World Champion Cody Rhodes, I'm, I'm kind of a Cody guy. So that... I guess it hit where it was supposed to. Um, there was some outside interfer- uh, interference from Steph Delander, the SDL. Uh, she got involved quite a bit. Uh, Ryan Nemeth came out to make the save. He got super kicked from SDL for his uh, for his troubles. Um, I think it was uh, Nick Nemeth's father also got involved. It was kind of a weird, chaotic ending, which saw Nemeth get the victory. One, two, three. And... Uh, Fun match, real fun match. I think it would have been, uh, I'd like to have seen it on the pay-per-view. I think it would have played out even better. Um, then the next match up for the night, we got, uh, we got, uh, somebody I had never seen before, man like Darius. I've never seen this guy before. Had a great look, great build. He was taking on Chris Bay. And now, if you're familiar with Chris Bay, again, we we're huge fans of Chris Bay. He was part of the United Wrestling Network for quite some time. He's a former UWN Tag Team Champion. He is currently the, uh, I believe he's still the TNA uh, Tag Team Champions with uh, uh, Ace Austin, I think. I think that's his name. Man, now I feel bad for not knowing. Anyways, this was a great, uh, highly competitive match. Um, they, they, they did highs and lows in this match and it was kind of weird because it felt like we hit a few lows too early too often but it felt like the the work the sportsmanship of chris bay was able to get things back on track a few times this one these guys were very evenly matched um a lot of really stiff shots in the match a lot of high flying if you're into that style of wrestling again my my favorite style of wrestling said this lots of times is the uh, WCW Cruiserweight division of like 1996-1997. These guys would have fit right in there. Um, very very akin to the X division in early 2000s with TNA. So uh, this was a, a very fun and exciting match. Um, you don't. It's one that uh, I was happy to see and, and I'll be keeping my eyes open for a man like Darius for sure. Uh, then the next match was uh, former NWA World Junior Heavyweight Champion and future legend member of the, the Southern Six, Kerry uh, Morton, as he made, I think he made his Los Angeles debut. He might have been here before, but this is the first time I can remember Kerry Morton being out here in Southern California, and he was taking on the 70-year-old, 50-year veteran of the ring, Mike Jackson, who definitely was making his Southern California debut, uh, and it was incredible. Um, we posted a video last night. Uh, on YouTube, the shorts, you can check it out. Uh, he still got it for a guy that old. Um, he's incredible. And, you know, a couple years ago, maybe even 10 years ago, I had friends telling me, you should check out Action Mike Jackson. And I just scratched my head. I said, well, why do I want to follow some guy who's 60 plus years old doing pro wrestling? But this guy is gifted. He is amazing in the ring. It's, it's admirable that he could still wrestle at such a high level. Now, I don't expect Action Mike Jackson to have a five-star match, and if that's what you're expecting, um, lower your standards. But he had a fun match with Kerry Morton. 
worked the arm, did the uh, the real old school where he circled the ring. Um, took some stiff bumps too. Carrie uh, had to cheat to win, got his foot on the rope. Referee didn't see it. One, two, three. That was it for old Mike Jackson. But I was, you know what? Uh, being a fan of professional wrestling for as long as I have been, and never seen a uh, live action Jackson match before, I was so happy that I got to see him. And I know, Jay, he's 70 years old. You shit all over Ricky Morton. You shit all over uh, Ric Flair. How can you justify this guy being in the ring? And I'll tell you this, man, he looked good. He looked good for 70. We should all be so lucky. Uh, up next was Hammerstone. I wasn't. Uh, I didn't know Hammerstone was supposed to be here. In fact, Hammerstone was supposed to be uh, squaring up against Richard Holiday, and I guess that match uh, somehow got changed. So we got Charles Mason, who again have no idea who this cat is. He's wearing uh, a shirt and tie to the ring. He wrestled in the tie the entire time. Uh, well, excuse me, he didn't have the tie, but he wrestled in the dress shirt and the slacks, and it just was a weird look. This guy was so much smaller than Hammerstone, but he, he did put some damage on him. I'll say that. And uh, it was a relatively easy match for Hammerstone. When I say it was easy, like he seemed to be in control for most of it, but uh, that that guy, Charles Manson, uh, Mason, excuse me, not Charles Manson, Charles Mason got in some pretty good offense. But uh, in the end, it was Hammerstone with the Nightmare Pendulum for the victory. Uh, Mason post-match attacked Hammerstone with a chair, uh, taking out his leg. So uh, we don't know what condition Hammerstone will be in next, but uh, it was a good match. Next up was Los Desperados, which uh, featured a mix of talent from Mexico and uh, GCW. If you're not familiar with Los Desperados, it is Arez. You might remember Arez from the NWA versus Mexico tour. Uh, where Arez, uh, Arez showed up uh, teaming. And now I can't remember who he teamed up with. Let me think here for a minute. If uh, my memory serves me, he teamed up with uh, La Hidera versus Aaron Stevens and Natalia Markova. Uh, that's a match that they um, they won. And, uh, and it's oddly enough, Arez actually had appeared on one of the old NWA Mexico shows uh, that was produced by Blue Demon Jr. back in like 2010. So Arez is no stranger to the NWA. Of course, then he would make his uh, appearance at the Crockett Cup uh, as the Los Vipers with Toxin. He took uh, Toxin. Uh, Los Vipers took on the Heat Seekers in the first round and won. That was in Winston-Salem. And of course, uh, they, uh, that was the pre-show. The next night they went against uh, the Mortons and lost. And then we're a part of the United States tag title gauntlet on uh, the pre-show for night number two, which the country gentlemen, Kazana and Andrews, ended up winning. Uh, but they were, uh, Arez was in that group as well. Uh, but this team is not that team, and I guess I should stick to what I'm talking about. Arez, Gringo Loco, and Latigo took on uh, uh, Starboy Charlie, uh, Tristan, or excuse me, Titus Alexander and Bodie Young Prodigy. Now, Bodie Young Prodigy is a kid, and I legitimately mean kid. He's 16 years old. That I saw uh, back in November for a wrestling promotion out in my neck of the woods called uh, Wrestling uh, Valley Wrestling Connection. Um, 
and he is exactly what his name is. He's a young prodigy, but he's great in the ring. This was very much a Lucha Libre match. And although uh, Gringo Loco is an American-born wrestler, uh, Res and Latigo are both uh, Mexican-born, obviously. And uh, the Los Desperados is very much a Lucha-based tag team uh, trio. Um, Bodie Young, Prodigy, Starboy, Starboy Charlie, and Titus Alexander all really solid in the ring. It was a bit weird seeing Bodie getting tossed around. And again, stay tuned to our socials, especially at the Alliance blog on YouTube, where I'll have a few of the clips. Uh, one move in particular launched a Bodie Young into the ring into a, I believe it was a pile driver or power bomb. It was pretty intense, and, and the kid had a lot of heart. They ended up losing to uh, Los Desperados, but all the credit in the world to Bodie Young Prodigy. Starboy Charlie, I think, is a guy that you're going to see blow up real, real soon. I think he's going to be a name that people are going to be talking about in much bigger circles. And same thing with Titus Alexander. Uh, these guys are all really, really talented individuals. And uh, Starboy Charlie might be the guy who I think is going to take it to the next level in 2024. Next up was... <laughs> One of Billy Corgan's biggest fans, uh, Effie, teaming with Ali Catch, the team is Bussy, taking on Masha Slamovich and Raina Yamashita. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Now this match, I'm not a huge intergender fan, and that's one thing that uh, Game Changer Wrestling does not shy away from. There was at least four matches that featured uh, um, some intergender wrestling in some shape or capacity. This was one of them. And uh, the match itself was really fun. I've never saw, um, I saw uh, Effie live uh, a few times years ago, nothing recently. And Alley Catch, I've never seen live. Uh, same with Moss, Masha and Rena. Now, some of you guys might remember Masha from uh, the uh, Pretty Empowered pay-per-view, uh, but she is so much more of a badass today than she was even then. Um, this match was really back and forth, a lot of, you know, a lot of spots that, uh, you know, traditional NWA fans probably wouldn't be too big on. Um, and, you know, I won't go into those in detail because I don't want to be demonetized, but uh, they're a little risque if you ask me. Uh, the match was halted when Mance Warner invaded the ring with a screwdriver and went to town on alley catches. She, she bled uh, at the hands of Mance Warner. It looked like he was about to do the same to uh, Rina Yamashita until Masha stood in the way. And once Effie was uh, back up on his feet, uh, they chased out uh, they chased out Mance Warner. That um, was kind of a surreal moment. Uh, I've seen Mance Warner wrestle his face uh, last year back in um, Columbia, Illinois. I got to see Mance Warner with uh, Russell Max St. Louis. This was a different, <laughs> very different Mance Warner. And uh, one, it's kind of weird to see him um, be such a baby face in one place and such a heel in the other. Uh, but of course, it's Game Changer Wrestling. They like to push the envelope a little bit. I'm excited to see what's next for what they're going to do with, with him. And now Mance Warner was a guy who most recently was working with MLW. You know, there's a couple of guys here that were recently tied to MLW. Uh, we mentioned Hammerstone. We mentioned uh, Mance Warner. And of course, earlier in the night, uh, there was uh, Matt, uh, not Matt Cardona, excuse me. Um, well, maybe that was it. Maybe those are the only two that I was thinking of. Anyway, um, so yeah, it was that was fun. That was a good match. Uh, 
I say good match. It wasn't a good match. It was an interesting match. Uh, one that should have, uh, I, I would have liked to see a winner. I would have liked to see a decision made there. And obviously we didn't get that. Uh, next up was another trios match. Uh, another team from Mexico, uh, Las Magicios. Easy for me to say. Sico Play, which I don't believe was the one from WCW. And Medio Extremo. They teamed with Sandra Moon, who a lot of United Wrestling Network uh, fans could remember her. And uh, they took on the team of uh, Bobby Flacco, Cole Radrick, and Mr. Danger. Now, Cole Radrick, Raddy Daddy, I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe I saw him also in St. Louis. Um, in fact, uh, if I'm just trying to think back to WrestleMax, um, I don't, maybe it was, and I'll just, yeah, he, yes, I did see him there. He, he took on ATM. So that was the second time I've seen Cole Radder. I thought I saw him before. <sighs> uh, so yeah, and these guys were very intense in the ring. A very, uh, they really did go after Sandra Moon in this match. And it, it, again, not being a fan of intergender wrestling, Sandra Moon is a very capable athlete. She's great. But I don't, I didn't like to see it. It just kind of felt, felt weird. So I, I wasn't really into this match. Now the, the when Sico Play and Medio Extremo were in the ring, it was fun. Got to see a lot of like lucha style of wrestling. Again, I'll have clips up on the YouTube channel. Make sure you stay tuned to that and on social media as well. We'll share them everywhere. Uh, but uh, again, I think part of the match, to me, it was a turnoff. It. it that's, I shouldn't say it like that. That sounds weird. It takes me out of the reality of the fantasy. It puts reality into the fantasy, however you want to say it. Um, and I, I, you know, I guess I'm allowed to have that opinion, whether you agree or disagree. Um, sometimes it works. This one, I didn't like it. Sandra Moon is double tough. She took a lot of, uh, a lot of punishment in that match, but I would have rather just seen like maybe Los Majizos versus Bobby Flacco and Cole Raddick and something else. Uh, the next match was a very, um, a very, uh, I guess, widely publicized match. And it was Sue Young, uh, formerly of TNA Wrestling Impact. And uh, she actually was out here doing, doing an autograph signing at the Wrestling Guy store. I think it was Wrestling Guy store. I don't know. <laughs> Man, I should have some facts written down when I start talking like that. And she was in a match with Santana Jackson. Santana Jackson is a uh, homage to uh, Michael Jackson. And <laughs> complete with the uh, thriller uh, red jacket, the glove, uh, the, the jam on, the lean, and the uh, moonwalking. It's kind of a spectacle. And, of course, this is kind of... Uh, you know, they do, as GCW throws a wide net trying to appeal to a very large audience, there is certainly an audience who enjoys stuff like this, and, and this is the kind of stuff that probably goes viral. Uh, but I, I didn't like it. Uh, at one point, uh, Sue Young had, uh, had, had like put Santana Jackson through some sort of table and he disappeared underneath the ring, assuming I was on the other side, I couldn't really see, but then the music hit and they started playing Thriller and uh, out comes a guy wearing a mask, wearing a similar style jacket to uh, Michael Jackson in Thriller, uh, wearing a werewolf mask, something like out of Altered Beast, I guess. 
and and then uh, Su Young easily dispatched that one. And then the music goes off again, and another guy comes out with a uh, homage to Michael Jackson wearing a werewolf mask. And again, Su Young easily dispatches this guy. Then the music hits a third time, and you can see Su Young's obviously frustrated. The 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 demon the uh, the what is it? The Demon's Bride? What, what do they call her in TNA? Uh, uh, shoot, I don't know. Uh, the Undead Bride, that's what it is. Uh, she just kept getting frustrated more and more um, with <laughs> with these uh, with these parallel Michael Jackson werewolf dudes. So it was kind of just bizarre. It was weird. Um, eventually, uh, the real Santana Jackson came out with this uh, wolf mask and and <laughs> again this is silly this is stuff that i'm not definitely into but uh you know they try their best to make it work now the one thing i do will say i do will i will say is that uh in game changer wrestling much like in ecw uh the rules are very very relaxed uh, they do allow weapons to be used chairs to be used and lots of times throughout the show we saw chairs and tables and by tables, I mean actual doors, not real tables involved in matches. And you would see the wrestlers gingerly sit on a table, hoping that it didn't snap under their own weight before the wrestler that they were wrestling against crashed down upon them, uh, destroying the table into smithereens. Uh, that's kind of how most of these matches uh, ended. But Santana Jackson ended up getting the victory over Sue Young. Um, it, it was, again, a spectacle not my cup of tea but i did appreciate the creativity in it i did appreciate some of the athleticism um and sue young's kind of got uh, a name from her time in tna wrestling so it was interesting seeing her in a much very different capacity uh that would bring us to the world title match where blake christian took on uh the dark chic uh the dark chic is a is a uh female wrestler um a trans female wrestler uh who i remember from a very long time ago and the dark sheik has always been a an incredible wrestler in the ring and now that uh she is comfortable in her own skin i think that's pretty cool i we don't i haven't talked a lot about the dark sheik on podcast because the dark sheik really doesn't work for the nwa or or promotions associated with the nwa united wrestling network or any of that stuff so never really spent a lot of time talking about the dark sheik but uh, you know happy that they were able to uh be comfortable and find you know find what they needed to be in life with that being said this match was incredible it was brutal it was hard hitting again i i don't like intergender style of wrestling it's weird to me um so i, I didn't really enjoy this match i think is I, I i tried to let go of that for this match because again it was it was for the world title um they're they're comparable in size i mean i think uh, blake christians probably had maybe 20 to 40 pounds on the dark chic and, and and i'm not trying to be insulting uh blake christian was actually looked really good shape um but i just felt like um at least these two were kind of more evenly matched uh, in terms of size. And Sheik took a beating. I mean, there was one spot where the Sheik was pulling out a a door from underneath the ring. Um, and Blake Christian just dove right through it. And that door exploded in Sheik's face. And she had blood just pouring from her face. It was, 
it was a, certainly a hard way to be busted open. And I, the whole time I kept looking at Blake Christian, I kept thinking like, man, that's where we want Kerry Morton to be. That's who we want Kerry Morton to be. I, I think he could get there. I think Kerry Morton could be a Blake Christian. And in some regards, they're almost interchangeable. Uh, I, I think uh, I think that's what uh, young Kerry Morton should be aspire to be as, as a worker like Blake Christian because um, he's already got the promo skills to back to back it up. I just think he would benefit from getting a lot more seasoning in the ring. This match again was very very hardcore. A um, lot of weapons being used, a lot of blood being shed. Um, and again, I'll have clips and stuff up on YouTube as long as they'll allow those kind of violent matches. However, uh, post-match after Blake Christian won, uh, you know, MDK gang, uh, Nick Cage, who, again, I'm only passingly familiar with this guy. He was uh, famously arrested for, I believe, robbing a bank, and I'm not making that up. Uh, He had feuded with John Moxley while Moxley was still in uh, working with Game Changer Wrestling in between working with AEW. And uh, he was actually featured on an AEW show and he used a pizza cutter on John Moxley. That's what I know him from and robbing a bank. And he came out and put over the Dark Sheik, put over the LA crowd, put over GCW and used every expletive he could in the meantime. These shows are obviously not intended for kids. They're intended for young adults, even, you know, I don't think this show is geared towards me at all, but I did enjoy a lot of the athleticism. I enjoyed a lot of the pure wrestling that we saw. I would love to see more of that in a wrestling promotion that uses some of the big names in, in an opening match capacity, which kind of blew my mind, but maybe maybe Matt Cardona wanted to go to Disneyland or something. I don't know. It was it was a good night. It was a good show. Um, and it changed, it changed my opinion on what is game changer wrestling and i i i would be inclined to go to another game changer wrestling again in the future so i think that's going to wrap it up here i appreciate you guys listening and uh we'll see you at the matches thank you for tuning in to the alliance blog podcast a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com, the premier source for news and information for the National Wrestling Alliance. Would you consider subscribing so you never miss a new episode? You can follow us on all social media at The Alliance Blog, and we stream live on Twitch, Kick, and YouTube every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, 5 p.m., 6 p.m., and 8 p.m. Eastern at The Alliance Blog. Until then, we are The Alliance.